0: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space where we can come as we are, kick off our shoes, and take a deep breath of truth and encouragement. Because especially during this unique time and season in history, where we all feel varying degrees of chaos and uncertainty, y'all, it is good to be reminded that God really is at work in this mess. Well if we haven't yet had the chance to meet, my name is Jen Jewel and I consider it such a joy to host this faith-fueled conversation-style podcast, which unleashes a brand new story of hope into your earbuds, your speakers every other Tuesday. Y'all, we are partnered with the women of my church, Life Church, where we're also huge fans of the YouVersion Bible app. God's Word literally in your back pocket for free wherever you go. So please take advantage of such a massively helpful tool to help you read and study and know the Word of God. And there is no better time to be grounded in biblical truth than right now. But listen, wherever you currently are on this planet, whatever you find yourself doing at this very moment, whether you're changing diapers and refilling sippy cups or answering emails and writing reports or making something beautiful with your real, actual hands. We are truly so honored you're here. And before we jump in with our amazing guest for today, I'd like to draw our attention to the people, the real people who Jesus took time to see. You know, He didn't just see people with His eyes and move on or dismiss them. He actually saw more than what the eyes can see. He saw more than just ordinary fishermen, more than a woman with a chronic blood disorder, more than a guy with an incurable skin disease, more than a girl with a broken sexual past, more than a tax collector who cheated people out of their money, and more than a man who couldn't use his legs, more than a busybody who was addicted to doing, more than a grieving mom, and more than a desperate dad, and more than just a criminal hanging next to him on that cross. He didn't just see their mess, their struggle, their pain, and look the other way. Instead, He saw them for who they really were, intentionally created and uniquely designed in the image of God. And then He loved them right where they were. So as always, Jesus holds the standard, but our guest for today is one of the very best at following His lead, at truly seeing people. Heather Brower is a wife and mom and advocate for the underdog. Both she and her husband Josh are a part of our central staff at Life Church. Heather's a mom to two teenagers, a friend to basically anyone she meets, a native New Yorker who's been transplanted to the Sooner State, an avid foodie, a world traveler, and a big time includer who's full of compassion. So, Jesus, help us to see like you. And, friends, grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join me for a chat with Heather. Well, Heather, yeah. welcome to The Messy Table. <laughs> Thank you. It's so good to be here. So this is such a treat, and I can't even tell you how excited I am. But first, for those who don't already have the privilege of knowing you, will you peel back the curtains a bit and give everyone a peek into who you
1: are, what you love, what you're all about? Oh, girl. All right. Let's see. Pull the curtain back. Do it. And you will meet a strange person. (laughs) 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 So, yes. So I'm Heather Brower. And I am, first of all, extremely happy to be here talking with you, Jen. Mm -hmm. I just I have not listened to every episode of your podcast. I've listened to a ton. And every time I listen, I'm just like, how does she just pull jewels out of others I'm just like you're the most aptly named person you are a jewel oh and you mine gosh. for jewels and gold and you just find it anyway Aww. so I hope you can um have that magical ability in me today it's so, not going to take much because you
0: are amazing right. oh lord
1: pull out sentences that make sense while I talk that's what you can do today <laughs> I hope I can talk out loud without crying the entire time <laughs> <laughs> I'll just be like Jen just tell the people something good for me okay okay <laughs> <laughs> but anyway yes i'm heather and let's see i love food to eat foodie and snacks and spicy food give me something spicy and i'm happy really yes I that is spicy food the spicier the better do you mean spicy like flavor
0: or do you mean spicy
1: like hot yes and yes all of it yes highly flavored food and also very very spicy as in it will burn my tongue make me sweat See. yeah like have you always liked spicy yes hmm. yes indeed and it gets worse though because the more spicy you eat the more you crave mm. and it's like yeah it's just Hmm. it's rough. It's rough Jen, but it's it's who I am. I okay, like okay. I like the chilies, okay? <laughs> it's just who I am. Well, you and Josh are both foodies. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. If you ask where do I want to eat, I'm just going to try to figure out where's a place I've never been before and that's going to be my answer. I yeah. Love it. Something different. But um, let me tell you about me. I am a woman of a certain age in her late 40s. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Going through the second adolescence. I feel like with energy of like a 26 year old. Oh, I wish that were true. Oh, man. I have the imagination still of a very small child. <laughs> That's <laughs> so amazing. Right. <laughs> but um I have one older brother. He's seven years older than me. Um, so I really did live inside my imagination a lot of my life mm-hmm. growing up. I had a really a super sweet childhood, like really pleasant. And then as I got a little older, things started getting As the table implies, things started getting messier, Mm -hmm. uh, mostly due to loss and dealing with loss. My father became suddenly very ill when I was 15 and he passed away. Mm. And that was the first major, major turning point in my life. It was just awful. My mom and dad, they had a very close friendship and a close marriage. And I was, you know, daddy's girl and... Losing him sort of suddenly like that was just horrendous. And my dad was 39 when he passed. Wow. So, so young. he very young. So he was a mechanic. He worked odd jobs. You know, we always had everything we needed, but uh he did not have a retirement. <laughs> set up and my mom did not work and she did not have a trade to fall back on herself. So like a lot of things just suddenly changed. You know, we had to move out of our house and Mm. all of the sort of things I was thinking about doing with my life kind of just halted. Uh, It's just hard. Grief is hard. Loss is hard Mm -hmm. Um, and it's disorienting. Um, And let's see, after uh, I graduated high school a couple of years later, and I was still kind of reeling. Honestly, I, I had always thought I was going to go study medicine. I've always been interested in medicine, and I just didn't have it in me to, mm-hmm. to do it. I decided I wanted to do music instead. So I had already you know, been taking piano lessons, been taking voice lessons, but I didn't start till my senior year of high school. So I decided to take a year off study some more, develop my repertoire, get an audition package ready. And then I did get into, um, I'm from Rochester, New York, by the way. And there's a music school. Yeah, by the way. Give us your best New York accent. Well, okay. So I'm from Rochester, which really has more of a Chicago-style accent. It's got the flat A, and it's really (laughs) obnoxious. Get in the car. (laughs) Go to the bar. Or is that more like Boston? we say our R. We say car. You know, I'm driving my car. You really say it. Yeah, we sure do. Um, But we have a great music conservatory in Rochester. It's the Eastman School of Music. And it's an awesome place to learn. And so I got in and it was kind of like a a saving grace for me because I could really, really throw myself into music and Mm -hmm. kind of ignore all the pain around me. And I mean, Lord, I was busy because I was the breadwinner of my family, basically, because not too long after I started college, my mom got breast cancer. Mm. Yeah. So she couldn't work so well. And so, you know, this is one of the messiest times of my life, Jen, as I was in college, I got roles in the operas. I was working toward my senior recital. I was cleaning houses on the side, working at lens crafters on the side, working Mm -hmm. at the body works on the side. And the only one bringing in a paycheck in my home. And we had to move in with my brother and on and on and on. And then, unfortunately, my mother did pass away. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was my very best friend and my true, I I call her my true heart. She just, she was special and she she was now gone. Mm. And you're in your 20s at this point. 23. 23. It was, uh, Rough road. Yeah, it was a rough road there for a bit. That was the very, very messiest time of my life, Jen. And I I didn't always handle grief well and didn't handle it in healthy ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've had a lot of counseling, you know, since then. And one of my counselors was like, well, Heather, you know that your prefrontal cortex was not even fully formed yet. <laughs> <I'm> like, yes. <laughs> um, yes. I think about that like, fact all the time with my children. <laughs> right, right. She's like, you know, you need to have some compassion on yourself and some of what you're referring to as Bad choices. We're just walking through grief at a very young age, and I, mm-hmm. so you know, mm-hmm. if you are walking through grief, um, have compassion on yourself. I will say that right now, it is a road, and it it doesn't get better per se, but you grow around your grief and you learn to live with it. And I don't think any of us who grieve a severe loss want it to get better. Honestly, I don't want to forget my mom of or course. how deeply I loved her. How special our love was, you mm-hmm. know. But I do want to be healthy and well and live as well as I can to please God and, you know, to honor her memory, even, you know, so you do, you do grow around your grief for sure. Do
0: you feel like you're a lot like her?
1: (sighs) In a lot of ways, yes. And in a lot of ways, we were very different. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, she was super out there. Like she loved bright colors, and she wore a ring on every finger. And she was just, you know, always fully made up person, shoes matching, you know, all that stuff. And um, yeah, we have a lot of differences, but we could crack each other up. Nobody in this planet has ever made me laugh as hard as my mom. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> so she's really good at organizing things. I'm really good at thinking things up. And then she was really good at figuring how to um, make things happen. Like if we do like a program for our church, I'd be like, well, I like all this different music. And my mom would be like, give it to me. I shall assemble it uh-huh. into a program. Yeah. <laughs> you know? She was amazing. Yeah. So this is your background. This is your backstory. Yeah, that's the backstory. Yep. And then, so I moved away after my mom passed to live with an auntie of mine. And I lived with her and my uncle and my cousin for about a year Mm -hmm. because I really and truly needed a place to crash. And I started feeling better. And when I moved back to New York... Not too long after I moved back home, um, there was this new youth pastor at my old home church. Yeah. (laughs) Tell us more. Right? This cute little Italian guy. (laughs) And (laughs) anyway, so that's Josh. I met my husband. Soon after I came home and I was doing for sure much better. I say I was starting to see in color again, but Lord Jen, I was still a hot mess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) You know, so the first few years of our marriage were a lot of, honestly, me still working through grief, still figuring out who am I? What am I supposed to do with my life? Well, sure. Who can blame you? I don't want to be an opera singer anymore. You know, like I don't want to do any of that anymore. And I wasted, I, I felt so much shame over having wasted that really, intense time of my life and very expensive degree. Hmm. You know, like, I was working on my master's when uh, my mom passed mm-hmm. and I did not finish it, you know, and here I have this half unfinished business. And, you know, I just, uh, but you felt shame about it. I did Jen. again, where I was not having compassion on myself mm-hmm. for what life, what life was. It, it is okay to start over. And right. definitely, I will say in retrospect, a life lesson that God has been teaching me for a long time, is the good old, (laughs) I work all things together for Mm -hmm. the good of those who love me. Mm -hmm. And he really did, Jen. I'm telling you, none of that is wasted. Mm -hmm. Amen. So you met Josh. The good thing is I met that cute guy, right? <laughs> Who loved me anyway. He knew I was a mess, He is really gifted with vision and strategic thinking. And he just really felt, and I really felt, a very strong, very quick God type of connection. So, well, this is the other thing that if my daughter does this to me, I will, I don't know. I, I don't know what, but it won't be pretty. Okay, <laughs> so I met Josh. And we were engaged within two weeks of knowing what? each other. I know <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, I've never heard this. That is the truth. We met in March, and we got married in October this is amazing. Yes. And honestly, October was our concession because our pastor was like, "Eh, perhaps you should (laughs) slow down just a bit. Perhaps wait till the end of summer, maybe. (laughs) We're like, okay, fine. So yeah, for me, it was not like a Hollywood movie where you're like, love it for sight. It Mm -hmm. was really very different. It was more like God uh, stopped my feet and poured me into concrete and I couldn't go anymore. And gravity pulled me toward Josh. And only, of course, (laughs) it wasn't gravity. It was like, I know God was at work because I am not a good decision maker. I am better with choices and options. Girl, you're (laughs) preaching to the choir. Right. I don't like final decisions, but if ever in my life, I knew for sure that it was decision time and this was the one, it was when I met Josh Brower. It was just, yeah, God is good. He knew what I needed. Shout out to Josh. Dude, he is a good catch. I love that something else that I didn't know about
0: you. You're talking all about this music program and singing opera. I didn't know this about you. Like Mm. it was kept hidden for years.
1: It's from my past life. Until all of a sudden (laughs) I
0: heard you sing and I was like, what? Like (laughs) what other secrets do you have that you're this, Mm. not only a like tremendously fantastic human, but Mm. also an incredible writer. And then this phenomenal singer.
1: I'm like, how come you got all the gifts in one little tiny bundle? Jen, look, I can't even ride a bicycle. So let's not talk about this. Okay. (laughs) He, He gives different gifts to different people. That is all. He just gave all the unique gifts yeah. to you. No, they're not all unique. No, they're not either. They're just passionate interest areas. <laughs> all right. So you married Josh yes. in October. Yes, I did. you met him in March. Yeah. And then what? <laughs> and then it was all happily ever after the end. <laughs>
0: Perfect. <laughs> Love it.
1: Yeah. No, let's see. We got married and then Josh was a youth pastor. Um, our church really did not have money to pay him. So he kind of just did it. Um, He had a small stipend that was given to him by the church. So we really had to have a day job too. Mm -hmm. And he, that's what he went to school for was to be in ministry Mm -hmm. and his day job, because he's just one of those, whatever your hand finds to do, work at it with all your heart (laughs) kind of people. And so he just kept getting promoted, promoted, promoted. And then finally they're like, Hey, we want to move you to a new um, region and we want you to oversee a blah, 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 blah. And Josh is all, Oh, what do I do? Because this is not what I want to do with my whole life, even though he was really good at it. But anyway, so we prayed and prayed and prayed. And I'm like, you know, we just kept having this feeling of what if this is God's path to you finding your place in ministry, to the church that God has for you, you know. So we're like, well, we could move to Albany, or I forget there was another location. I think it was Cleveland, might have been. Anyway, from Rochester, we were still living in Rochester, and we're like, you know, if we move to Albany, we won't have to change our driver's licenses. <laughs> so all the important so we just things moved. that you think about when you're moving, of course. You know, yeah, it's like way easier. Who wants to do all that paperwork, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> so we just moved to Albany and. And took that leap of faith and trusted that God was going to work this together, too, that, you know, okay, we're going to leave our hometown and our family and the church I grew up in and the church that Josh was pastoring in. You know, he was pastoring in the church I grew up in um, part time. Mm -hmm. And when we got to Albany, actually fairly quickly, within a few weeks, found the church that we really felt like we wanted to go to. And the crazy thing is the sweet, sweet man who was the pastor of the church at that time had been praying, unbeknownst to us, um, because he was feeling it was time for him to retire. And he had been praying for God to send someone um, who might be interested in taking the pastorate of this church. And it was Josh. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So really soon after we got to Albany, Josh transitioned out of his (laughs) day job and into full-time pastoring. And it was... Mm -hmm a really awesome time. And eventually, we eventually merged with Life Church. Yeah. Um, Yay! And became the Albany campus of Life Church. Shout out to Albany. Oh my gosh, yes. My heart is always, always at that Albany campus. Mm -hmm. 100%. I remember when you guys were there. Yes, ma'am. Such a good place. Yes, it's an awesome place. And it's got an awesome location now. I mean, at first, we were nestled within a community, which was really cool. It was exceedingly difficult to find. And unfortunately, the building was, you know, getting older and God, through a very long set of miraculous works, <laughs> helped <laughs> the church get a property that's like right on a major highway. Mm-hmm. And and that was all such a God thing, that whole process, because uh, I know it was a process huge, to get in that building. Huge God thing. That's right. So many legal hoops had to be jumped through mm-hmm. um, in order for that property to be granted to a church, mm-hmm. you know, to be purchased by a church and used as a church property. Yeah. Anyway. So he became a campus pastor at Life Church, Albany. You got it. Yes. And so um, at that point, we had a little boy, a little boy child already. Hmm. My little Michael boy, my tiny baby Michael. Yes, my precious boy. And I will say, you know, there were definitely some things that we started noticing about Michael actually from his birth. I'm talking literally from the hospital. Mm-hmm. I was the only one who could hold him. If Josh tried to hold him, he would writhe and scream. And then he wanted that fourth trimester. Yeah. Just stay right
0: there in mama's arms.
1: I know it. He did. And like Josh would try to lay him on his chest and we'd call him the backward C, Because he would just bend his whole body away mm-hmm. so that only just his as little as possible of him would touch Josh. And we were like, huh, that <laughs> is unusual. <laughs> huh? That's something. And, you know, differences began to pile up little by little in Michael. And there was a time when I was teaching at um, this is just before we had merged Life Church, there was a preschool that the previous church sponsored that was in our church building. And I used to teach the three-year-old class there. Oh, it was a glorious, happy time of life. I love those three-year-olds like crazy. I can't even tell you. And while I taught, Michael um, was babysat by one of the other teachers at the preschool who was not teaching when I taught. And she had her master's degree in special ed. Oh. And she, I know, can you imagine how God works these details together? All things, man. Uh-huh. All things. Yes. And she would just mention little things to me whenever I would pick Michael up, like, now, how do you get Michael to look over at you Mm -hmm. or to interact with you? You know? And I'd be like, oh, it's easy. You just tickle him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just tickle him. He loves it. And she'd be like, okay, all right, I'm going to try that. Or she'd be like, have you noticed that when Michael passes anything that's made of plastic, he always licks it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah. Yes. Isn't that funny? You know, just little quirky things. And one day I said to her, I have noticed that Michael is meeting all of his developmental milestones, except for um, his talking and communication sort of milestones. And I, I think it's a little strange that he hasn't started talking yet. What do you think? And she took this moment to sort of speak into my life. And she said, yes, that is definitely something I've noticed. Mm. And then I said, I think I'll mention it at his next, uh, what do you call it? Well, child visit. Yeah. And she sat me down literally and said, hey, I think if I were you, it's of more value to create a separate appointment for this. Uh, she she kind of just walked me through all the reasons why, you know, this is something to take seriously and, you know, early childhood development and blah, 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 and let the doctor take it more seriously and, rather than something you just sort of mention in passing at a well child. And was that hard for you to hear or was it almost <sighs> encouraging that you weren't the only one that had noticed? It was the latter. It was so encouraging to me, like, okay. This makes sense. And she's right. And it felt like, okay, I'm not being a hysterical first-time mother. Mm. You can sense these things sometimes when you're a mom. And sometimes then I also would sense them, but also make excuses. Oh no, he just likes to tickle. Oh, he's just quirky. Oh, my family's quirky. Oh, whatever. Sure. But hearing a, from an outside voice that I respected, who was already a friend, already in my life, mm-hmm. and who was speaking to me from a place of love, and who yes. wasn't bossing me around. And you know, just she, she did such a beautiful job in all those areas, er- all those ways. And so, you know, we made the appointments, of course. Yes, he was different. Yes, um, they started speech and special ed right away. And then while we were waiting to be seen by a developmental pediatrician, And then when he was 23 months, he finally had that appointment with the developmental specialist where he was officially diagnosed as autistic. Okay. Yes. And so that was actually at that point, it was not at all a surprise. I was like, Oh yeah, I'm starting to understand this big picture a whole lot better. Like, yes, yes, yes. And his sensory differences and why he couldn't tolerate being held by Josh and why he didn't uh, look at us or, you know what I mean? Why uh, uh, just a whole lot of things that I kept just saying, no, everything's fine, which of course, you know, everything is fine. Being autistic is, um, This is not a death sentence. Mm -hmm. This is this is a different way of being, and it was great to have the diagnosis because it kind of gave us a roadmap as to, okay, here are some things that probably will be challenges for him. Here's a lot of stuff that we don't know. You know, I don't know where his strengths will be, but we know we can get him extra help with um, his sensory integration Mm -hmm. and being more comfortable and in his own skin and just tolerating the world and, (laughs) you know, what things will help him learn and develop and just having that diagnosis was actually a huge blessing for us. And I'm really thankful that we got it early. So it was kind of a relief for you. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, yes. here's how we can move forward. Yes, ma'am. Yes, it was. And we sure did. And <laughs> he got all kinds of therapy. And mm-hmm. so at this stage of his life, there were two big events that kind of happened that really crystallized what my next mission, what my next assignment from God was going to be, if that makes any, you you know what I mean? I didn't really feel it super strongly, but in hindsight, I know exactly what God was doing now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Um, So he was getting all kinds of therapy. So like I said, he was getting speech and special ed and occupational therapy. And when he turned three, um, he was going to a special ed preschool program that was almost forty hours a week of learning about how to be around other people and how to um use your words and you know all the good stuff. There's a um, lot of adults that could take that class today. Girl <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Why does school have to stop? I'm telling we ya. really should be taking school classes our whole life, shouldn't we? I'm all about being a lifelong learner. So Ooh, anyway, continue. Yes, 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 Um so he also was going to church on the weekends for about an hour or so. And uh, Jen. When I tell you that he was a challenge for the child care workers at our church. I do recall seeing tears at certain times from Aww. the poor people who were trying to keep him from eloping. <laughs> yes. And uh, because he was busy, he was sensory seeking. So, you know, mm-hmm. if there's a paper, he's going to tear it because what a fun sound. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just if there's a ball, he's going to throw it because anything in his hand, he he loved to throw. We have the scars in our drywall to prove it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, at this point, he also had a baby sister. Yeah. And so, how do I care for her? Yes. Oh, my precious Kylie girl. So, one day, Michael was taking his toys and chucking them. <laughs> As he did, as
0: one does,
1: (laughs) as one does, one chucks one's toys. Yes, (laughs) yes. So I was frustrated and tired, and you know, not living my best life at the moment, not being the uh, model parent. Um, And I was like, Michael, uh, you got to stop. And at this point, um, I I should mention Michael had developed, um, so he was in between three and four. And he had developed what is called echolalia, which is uh, if you hear a word, you can repeat the word back, almost like a voice recorder on yes. your fancy yes. computer thing. Yeah. So like I would say, Michael, you got to stop. Sometimes he would say, got to, got to stop. And I'd say, Michael, you've got to listen. Got to listen. Michael, toys are not for throwing, not for throwing. I said, I need you to learn to play with toys properly and obey mama. At that point, he's, he kind of froze, and then he looked at me in my eyes, which I knew, okay, I, I got his attention now. So he doesn't typically prefer to look in the eyes when he's, you know, communicating or with a person, mm-hmm. but he did. He looked me dead in the eye, and he said to me, or rather saying to me, whatever you say, I'll obey. And that was, uh, it, it chokes me up, Jen, because that was the first time he communicated to me something that. He wanted to express that mm-hmm. wasn't direct, like immediate echolalia. Mm-hmm. It, it still was because they were words he had heard before, mm-hmm. but they were not words that he learned in his 30 plus hours a week of therapy. Mm-hmm. These were words he learned from a, I later found out, song that was played in Life Kids, which Aww. was his one hour a week. Wow. That got through to him. And believe you me, they used all kinds of songs Mm -hmm. at his preschool. So it's not like, well, that's because it was music. You know, it was the magic of music. Mm -hmm. And surely music helped it to get into his ears and into his heart. But his first communication to me, like I said, came from stuff he learned on the weekend Mm -hmm. when it was a time I thought he was... Literally just like a holding tank for him. Oh. <laughs> you know? uh, for the love, let's get through this hour. You know, like I thought they're just bless their hearts. They're just there. And there's really nothing for Michael, but at least I can go to church. And I was so very wrong because it crystallized to me that God's ability to communicate with us is not bound by our ability to receive. Mm. He is not bound by human ability. Amen. He can reach us period. Mm. So that started something inside of me where I realized, wow, God wants all his kids and he can reach them all. And I was so grateful that Michael was able to attend (laughs) Life Kids on the weekend. It just, it was awesome. Mm. And then there was another experience that we had that had a huge, 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 huge impact on me. It's, You know we love to travel. Our family la 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 loves to travel. It's my favorite thing. Yes, if I can go to any location on this entire planet that I haven't been, any particular square inch that I've never been before, I would like to go there.
0: (laughs) You're all about it.
1: Okay, you have to tell us real quick.
0: What are like your top (laughs) favorite places ever of all time?
1: Oh, so far I would say Italy itself is just mind blowing. Mm -hmm. Um, Josh and the kids all have dual citizenship, U.S. and Italian. Yes, your little Italians. Um, Yes. That's right. My status is pending, my through marriage status. It takes forever to get it. We've been married 20 years, but I only just applied for status maybe uh, seven years ago. And it's still Still pending. I love that you're on your way, though. John. that's right. I'm going to be a citizen. I'm going to be one. You guys are such a fun family. Oh, my word. (laughs) So Italy. Yeah, Italy's amazing. It's beautiful. Any kind of beauty you can think of Mm. is there. Any kind of delicious food is there. It's got some rawness, some grit. I just, oh, I love it. I love it. Love it. I second that
0: moan about Italy. That moan and groan. Right.
1: (laughs) It's beyond words. (laughs) Words cannot capture. Yes. Okay. Okay, so taking vacations were a humongous challenge mm-hmm. when you have um, an autistic toddler and a less than one-year-old. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that is a challenge. But, you know, we just decided Disney World would be a great easy place, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so young, so right, naive. Right? Which is, <laughs> won't this be magical? <laughs> just filled with pixie dust. But so, <laughs> here's the thing, Jen. Every place is going to be tricky. Michael loves it. If he's in a car or if he's in a plane, he loves it. Mm -hmm. He loves the feeling in his body of being in motion. Yeah. So he's always been a good traveler. And so we said, well, what if we hop on a plane and what if we actually do go to Disney World? What's the worst that could happen? Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we did some research and, you know, get the social stories ready about going to the airport and sitting on the airplane. And, you know, I got my gigantic bag of tricks. Oh, yeah. Toys and snacks, toys and snacks. All the things, you know, ready ready to go. And I had done some research on Disney and we had found people were saying things like, well, go to guest services when you get there. If you have a guest who has a disability, um, they'll give you some tips and tricks, you know? And I'm like, well, that is, that's great. Yeah. So already I was like, you know, that definitely helped us make our decision of, well, maybe it'll, maybe this will work. So Jen, we get down to the house of the mouse. We're walking in. We stop at guest services and I have no expectations. I had never been to Disney before. Yeah. Um, Maybe like a map or something. Right. I'm like, maybe they'll just say, oh, good for you. We're glad you're here. Yeah. You know, something. Here's Maybe a a Mickey Mouse balloon. Exactly. Here's a balloon, a sticker, perhaps a a mint, something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. Jen, here is the thing. We get up there, we have his diagnosis papers, we're all like ready to prove ourselves. And, you know, they did not blink at us, Jen. They were ready for us mm. to come to their window and say, hey, our son is disabled. You got any tips or tricks for us? Yes, they did. They had so many tips and tricks for us. They they did literally give us a sensory friendly map, which had, oh gosh, the whole park laid out with this is a high sensory Area. Here's a quiet area. Watch out for this show. It has bright flashing lights or mm. just, you know, just so you're aware of, you know, what the sensory load would be like throughout the different stations of the park and in the different attractions at the park. And listen. They called us their very special guest. Mm. So right at Disney World, everyone is their special guest yeah. and they referred to us as their very special guest. Yay. They put a pass. I know I love they that. put a pass on Michael's stroller so that he could use his stroller as a wheelchair uh-huh. because waiting in lines was not something he was able to do. Like we literally thought we'll just go to the park and we'll walk around and maybe we could watch a parade or something. But we thought there was no way we could actually do attractions because he couldn't wait in lines at this stage of his life. Mm-hmm. But we could could use the wheelchair line with his stroller and it was so much shorter and he could stay inside of his little safe spot with his little toy and his headphones and he was okay in there. And then he, he would just hop right out and get onto the rides. They gave us special passes for shows where um, it was a disability pass. And literally, I don't even know if they still do any of these things. So don't quote me on it, but this is what they did for this us. This is your experience, right? Back in the day. Maybe they just do it for the Browers because the Browers
0: are amazing.
1: <laughs> you could be, Jen. The Browers are coming. Probably it Let's get ready. Right. right.
0: I'm sure that was it. But it's like they thought of everything. Well, like you said, they were ready for you. They were prepared. It wasn't an off the cuff decision. They were so prepared. Mm -hmm. Yes.
1: Somebody had thought it through. (laughs) Somebody had thought about it. Mm -hmm. Somebody was ready to welcome us and not make us feel like, we might not be the park for you. There's a disability park down the road that you can go to. You know, Mm -hmm. it was not like that at all. It was. Yeah. Here's what we have. Here are the places that might be challenging. Here's places you might be able to go to rest. And here's ways we're going to help you through the challenges. It just, I literally cried mm-hmm. at the guest services desk. I cried as we walked into the park. I cried while we stood in line, you know, in the quick line, you know, to get onto a ride. I cried the entire day mm-hmm. Well, you felt sane. Oh my goodness. And cared for, so very cared for. And so I will tell you those two experiences of realizing how much God wants all of his kids, right? Mm -hmm. Just that understanding of, oh gosh, God is real. He can reach anyone. My son has a quote unquote communication disorder, which I mean, I I don't know why I say quote unquote, he has a communication disability, Mm -hmm. but the air quotes are because not to God. Yeah. It it is not challenging Mm -hmm. for him, period. He's not challenged by Michael's differences. And I came home and I was thinking to myself, you know, there are other kids besides Michael yeah. And there are other families besides the Brower family who need a church home and who need to walk into a church and not get that deer in the headlights look when they say, uh, my child has what XYZ disability. Can they go to your children's programming? You know, they need a place where, yeah, we thought about you mm-hmm. and we're ready for you. And so that really, really, really drove the whole, you know, here's the next chapter of my life. So I decided to eventually, when the time was right, I got to work with my team, which I don't even know if I said this, but I I do work for Life Church now. Yeah, myself, yes. I work on the content development team, which is the, which is the best probably. I got to work with you. Yeah. A few years ago, I was working on the Finds.Life.Church blog page, and you are one of my very, 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 very favorite writers to work with. Oh period. gosh!
0: Well, you are like my very favorite person oh, to work with because you are so encouraging and so fun and cream the crop. Jen. Made me feel amazing, even when I wasn't at all. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, all of your listeners know that's garbage because, yeah, you're so gifted with communication and helping people understand godly stuff in a way that's attainable. Anyway, you're straight. This is about you. Keep going. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but I did get to work on creating strategies for our church for how we can include and accommodate kids mm. um, in our children's programming. And what we noticed with Michael was that when he had a uh, person who was sort of just dedicated to shadowing him, things went a whole lot better mm-hmm. for everybody. <laughs> right? Michael had a better time. The rest of the room had a better time. The teachers had less crying. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so I keep saying that. He had teachers who adored him. and. I'm kind of exaggerating there. but Well, you're setting him up for success and you're setting them up for success. Exactly. Yes. So we would notice that like it didn't take a Ph.D. Mm. to help him out. Um, like it's not like we had to recruit um, an occupational therapist mm-hmm. or a special educator to sit with Michael or, you know, it was actually just in Albany, there was a young girl, she was, I don't know, maybe 13, Mm -hmm. who used to sit with him and just play Legos back in the corner. And um, he always enjoyed the music time and, you know, help him engage in the parts that he was ready to engage in and help him be comfortable in the parts that he was not yet ready to participate in. And when we eventually moved from Albany to Oklahoma City, because Josh took a different role at Life Church, and that's the role he he has now sort of um, I don't even still know how to explain (laughs) all that Josh does. I don't know. He oversees a little of this and that, you know, with like operations. Or He's the secret sauce behind a lot of awesome things. He is the secret. Yes. Oh, my boy. Yes, he is. He's gifted. And he
0: actually works a lot with my husband, which is
1: super fun. Yes. Yes. He loves working with Derek. Yes. Yes. Um, Derek has so many strategic giftings. And Josh just really loves working with Derek because of that. And he feels the same. I feel like they just work so well together. Yeah. They Mm -hmm. work really well together. Okay.
0: But I think you said something really important. You said it didn't take a PhD to make a difference. Mm -mm. And no, I think that's really huge Mm -hmm. because there's so many well-intended people out there who honestly care and want to help, but they awkwardly don't know how to help or what to do. And so maybe people do nothing. Right. Yes.
1: So yeah, so that's what I wrote down in all the different trainings that I wrote for how to be a buddy. That's what we call them, Life Kids Buddies. Mm -hmm. People who can work one-on-one with children who need extra support for any reason. Um, Yeah. And I know that's still a work in progress, but you've done a lot to really see that through. Absolutely a work in progress. We don't have it perfect at every experience. Of course we don't. But the, the thing of it is, is that we just want to feel ready, right? Mm-hmm. Um we have some strategies now finally, you know, written down and <laughs> implemented for like teams also who need extra support at our weekly programming called Switch. So um, how do you work with a teen who has a disability in your youth programming It's going to be a little bit different from how you would work with a child, you know, just for a million reasons, which (laughs) Michael right now is actually a teen. You got it. Yeah. He's an old 16 year old now. Yes. Old man. And he has benefited from switch support in the past, too. And, um, you know, he's going through a difficult developmental period right now. And um So he is not in switch programming at the moment. And that's his choice because it's just it's a lot for him right now. But if and when he is ready to go back to switch, there's peer mentors ready to serve with him. Right. And switch support leaders ready to help him when you know, when the time comes. Yep. But what I'm trying to say is, first of all, the parents of kids who have disabilities are not always experts. <laughs> right, That's a good point. I'm not a psychologist. Yeah. And yet, you know, I have love and I have figured out some tricks on what makes Mikey feel comfortable. Mm, right. What, what made him feel comfortable when he was little. And so basically what you're looking for, if you have a child at your church and you want to be able to serve that child, look for someone who's got maybe two key characteristics would be flexibility. So somebody who's not going to be super rigid, like now is when we sit mm. crisscross applesauce you know, like <laughs> under. Understand that <laughs> a child with differences may not be able to sit in in the same way. Sure. Maybe they're more comfortable laying down on the ground. They need more sensory input than just sitting up on their pockets, mm-hmm. <laughs> like all mm-hmm. the you know, like many children can. Also, look for somebody who has um, some patience and energy. Right, believe it or not, so often you can find amazing one-on-one helpers within your youth ministry. And the really cool thing is, you will help those young teens. Find their life calling. Um, Michael, when we moved to Oklahoma, there was a girl, she was 12. I always thought it was 13. And she finally corrected me. She's like, no, I, I was actually 12 mm-hmm. <laughs> when I started working with Michael and she found her calling working with Michael. She's in college now and she works with Special Olympics. Oh, wow. And shes I know she's just amazing. And she has told me many times I go back to it was my time working with Michael well, where I realized how God had gifted me and what he wanted me to do with my life and used her yeah. to make a huge impact. He did. And there are future OTs, future child psychologists and counselors and you you name it, future teachers in your congregation right now, and mm-hmm. they will find their calling as they serve these children and teens and others. And we know it's true because 1 Corinthians 12, man, the body of Christ, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. We, we need each other. We are not all the same. And the body of Christ is not complete. Thank God. How boring would that be? It would be awful. And we're not complete without all of us, right? Mm-hmm. All of us are needed. And diversity and differences is just, it's it's like Baked into our entire understanding of God's vision for our church, right? For the church, mm-hmm. for his kingdom, for the world. You know, when you read 1 Corinthians 12 about the body of Christ, right? At the end of it is like, oh, now I'm going to show you the best way. Paul says, and let me show you the most excellent way, some translations say. And that leads into 1 Corinthians 13, mm-hmm. the love chapter. Yeah. Love itself is patient, kind, not self-seeking. Love itself is multifaceted, mm. right? So mm-hmm. if we're going to be the body of Christ and we're going to be the image of God, then we have to have one another in order to be able to express and to flex and to develop these different aspects of who God is and what the body of Christ looks like, right? We're not, you know, spotless and without blemish if we're missing pieces, you know, we're, we yes. we need one another. And I, I get to now because people, you know, reach Out to life church now sometimes, and we'll say, "Well, how did you make your place more accommodating? And uh, what are your inclusion strategies?" Mm -hmm. You get to be the spokesperson, don't you? Right. Yeah, I get to talk to different churches now, Mm -hmm. and it is so encouraging to have these conversations because guess what? People come to me thinking, "Okay, oh boy, I'm going to need a budget. We're going to need a building campaign, and we're going to need so many things." And that is actually really nothing extra is needed. Look out into your congregation. Who are the people in your congregation who need to be served? Mm. And then identify one person who can help serve. Who are already there. Yes. And, and and you don't need a special wing. You just need somebody who can help them play in the room as is. Take them out if they need a break. Grab a few sensory toys. So really just a little extra one-on-one attention makes a huge impact. Huge. Yes. You know, do for the one what you wish you could do for the many. That's and good. that will be enough, right? Mm-hmm. God will bring to your church those who you can serve. Mm. And if he brings more, then he will give you more people to help serve them. Mm -hmm. And you know what I'm saying? You know, God is, he's not wasteful. Yes, he will stretch us. Mm. Yes, he might give you one or two more than you thought you could serve, but he will help you find a way, right? He will also bring you his servants who can help. He's really good at what he does, Mm -hmm. God, you know? <laughs> He's good. Yeah.
0: So I know you're super passionate about empowering other voices, mm. and you've just gotten so good at listening. And I know you said, even when you maybe disagree, mm with what someone's saying or, Oh, I never thought about it that way. Like that's actually good for us. So Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about kind of your heart and passion to hear those other voices and to include them in our
1: perspective. Yes. Okay, Jen, I'll roll it back to when Michael was first diagnosed. I got obsessive over reading and learning about autism and child development and blah, blah, blah. And I read so many books by experts and I developed so much fatigue and such a hunger for well, what is it like to be Michael? Uh, You know, what is it like to be autistic Mm. versus what is it like to help or support? Well, what's it like to be you? And so then I got obsessed with reading books by people who are autistic. And I read, you know, Stephen Shore and Temple Grandin and Luke Jackson, Donna Williams, uh, anybody who was autistic in writing at the time. And again, this was, I don't know, what, 16, 13 years ago, Mm. I read. And that, I will tell you, helped me immensely to understand more, so much more than um, what needs to be changed. It was more like, well, it it helped me see, well, what works, you know, also, and I, I don't even know how to explain it more than God wants us to listen to one another. So I think that if you want to serve someone who has a disability or if you want to make space in your congregation for people who are disabled, seek them out and listen. And you can do it in big ways and small ways. The the big, like the conceptual ways you can do it is um, if you use social media, follow people who are disabled. Mm. I am in a couple of parent groups, OK, for um, people who are parenting um, autistic And they're cool, and you'll learn all kinds of really cool practical tips and tricks. And then um, sometimes I get frustrated because I don't really... I know that it's important to have space to talk about things that are frustrating and areas where you're feeling inadequate, but I feel like I just spin my wheels a lot there and I just get more obsessed with, let let me hear from people who are autistic. So like for instance, on Instagram, I follow the hashtag actually autistic Mm. because that's the hashtag that people who are autistic will use to post and, it is mind opening, oh, incredibly bet. mind opening. Yes. And it gets me out of my little, oh, I'm the proud autism warrior mom, you know, bubble. It gets me out of that and gets me into <laughs> <laughs> right. it gets me out of that little pride bubble into more like, how can I actually serve the needs that you are actually expressing? Mm-hmm. And how can I ignore the things that I think, oh, I must develop this when actually autistic people are saying, you know what? Stimming is really not a problem. Actually, I stim, which is, um, if you're around people who are autistic, you know what I'm talking about. And if not, it's like when you do something that is a sensory comfort, like um, flapping your hands when you're happy or rocking when you're thinking or pacing when you talk. Those are things that are self-stimulating behaviors that most people who are autistic say, uh, I really need those behaviors because they help me feel better Mm -hmm. (laughs) right whereas a therapist might say let's keep our hands quiet you know we want to look like a regular normal child you know like that is uh yeah probably not a good goal um (laughs) that's good i like that (laughs) right that's a good tip what is the disability you want to learn more about and then just Google around, you know, like, uh, you could follow Madeline Stewart. She's a gorgeous model who happens to have down syndrome, mm-hmm. or you can follow people that you know are different from you. So you won't be just stuck in your own echo chamber of yes, I know I'm doing right. Because all the people who think like me say I'm doing right, you know, and we can all be guilty of that. Absolutely. Confirmation bias, man. Yes. I am frequently guilty of that. Yes. You you'll also hear things that you know, for sure are probably not things that you can align with. And that is fine too. Sure. But you know what I mean? you, you Eat the fish, spit out the bones. It's what we got to do. I love it. That is exactly <laughs> it. If you're a Christian, you can follow Johnny Erickson Tata. Yeah. If you're not, what I'm trying to say is if you're a Christian and you're not currently following her, then I publicly shame you. <laughs> 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 no, she's amazing, but she she's founded on a group called Johnny and Friends. She loves God. She loves Jesus. And mm-hmm. she loves people. She's just a beautiful soul to follow. And wrapping back to your
0: experience with your mom and your dad and grief. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I could be wrong that she has a <laughs> book called Heaven because I remember the Luskos recommending that oh, and saying okay. that when there were all these books filtering around, that was one that was just so biblically grounded and legit um, oh, that they clung to. And some yeah. other people recommended it as well. So that's just, mm, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I really look up to her. I love that you're a student of others and of your son and of Michael. Like, oh yeah, how can I learn more? How can I know you better? How can I point you to Christ better? Yes. The way that you are uniquely wired. Yes. I just think it's so beautiful, Heather. You're so good at that. Mm. Um, You're such an advocate for others. You're so Mm. great at empowering other people's voices. And I just really value that in you. I think that's something that, I don't know. Do you think you would be as much that way without Michael?
1: Oh, no way. No way. Yeah, my my ideas on so many things Mm -hmm. have been changed and stretched and grown Mm -hmm. through parenting. Um, Like if you want to learn more about disabilities, if you want to include people who are disabled in your community, then um, you can also think small. Sit and think for a minute. Who do I know who's disabled? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Who can I reach out to? Who can we include at our home? And when you say disabled, yeah. there's some different disabilities
0: that you see, mm. you know, just often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's not autism or maybe it's not the person that's in the wheelchair, mm-hmm. but maybe it's something else.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Well. For sure, those things, though. Yeah, definitely. People who use a wheelchair to get around, they'll probably have a physical disability of some kind. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, if you know somebody who uh, maybe uses a white cane, but they can still see, Mm -hmm. like I have a a newer friend. Her name's Alex. She's um, part of the blind and visually impaired community. She can still see a little bit and she can get around, but, you know, like not enough to drive and enough so that it impacts her life. She won't really necessarily notice you if you just walk by at church. Mm -hmm. But she loves it. She was telling me when people stop. And especially when she was growing up, if somebody would stop and say, hello, Alex, it's me, Heather. I'm so glad to see you. And then she is included. And sometimes it just takes intention to include people. And you might think they saw you because you smiled and waved or whatever. But Mm. that doesn't mean they necessarily were able to register it. Or, you know, Michael, he's autistic, so he doesn't notice eye contact very much because he's not making it. And he Mm. misses other people's attempts to interact with him socially all the time. So if you want to interact with Michael socially, it has to be more intentional. It has to be a whole, hey, Mike, how are you? I'm glad to see you. You know, this being quite literal with the fact that you're happy to see him means so much to him. Yeah. (laughs) Because he doesn't always gather, you know, subtleties. All disabilities are not visible. Mm -hmm. There are, you know, health disabilities, things like people who are living with chronic illnesses. That's a good point. Goodness, you can't spot it a mile away. You know, you don't have a sign over your head. Mm -hmm. But, you know, other things that are important to think of is if you are including somebody who you in in your community, who you know is not well, who suffers a lot, ask them, Hey, I'd love to get together. What's a location that works for you? What's a time that works well for you? That's good. Be flexible and understanding because cancellations may need to happen Mm -hmm. more than with your friends who are not living with additional challenges you can ask people, Hey, is there anything I can do to make you more comfortable at church this week? Um, practical needs. Do you need a ride anywhere this week? If you are a person who is disabled and somebody says to you something like, hey, let me know if there's any way I can help. That's always kind of a burden, kind of a question, because you're not sure if they really mean it mm-hmm. or is it just the friendly, hey, how are you? But I don't really want to hear how are you. I'm just saying, hey, how are you? You know? Right, right. <laughs> but, you know, you can follow up with like, oh, really? Do you, do you really mean that? And if they're like, actually, yeah, I do. And then there's ways that you can make your needs more easily known. Mm-hmm. There's um uh, a lady that I met a long time ago at a, a disability ministry conference. And she's written a book that's really cool. Um, her name's Diane Kim. And she's the parent of a young man who is autistic. And she created this thing called a help Wish List, And it's basically like a gift registry for help Aww, from your community. That. That's great. Uh-huh. And you just fill it out online and then people can just sort of see, oh, she needs laundry done this week. I got it. You know, mm. it's really, really cool. It has all these super tangible ways that you might not even realize, oh, I, I could ask for help with washing a load of socks, <laughs> you know.
0: Like, yeah.
1: You just don't even think you could ask someone, but you could. Well, and I'm sure
0: it takes courage to ask for help, just yeah. like it does for anyone. And I'm not trying to create like an us and them mentality. I'm no. just more saying that like you're pointing out mm-hmm. some people might have unique needs that they really could get help with. Yes, ma'am. I also love that you said it takes intention to include people. Right. I mean, right. I think that's super
1: important. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah. And that again, that flexibility and understanding of um, for an extrovert who really might like, I want to get together with you every week, like twice a week, you know, I love this. This is great to understand that that might be exhausting for someone if they have different social needs even sure. than you do. So that's part of that whole, OK, don't take it personally. If someone has to say every now and then, I'm so sorry, I really can't do coffee this week. Yeah, it could just be that they're uh, exceeded their socializing yeah. <laughs> limit for the week. Absolutely. <laughs> Nothing to do with you, you know. Yeah, but yeah, that's good. Um, here's another thing. Like when I talk about God works all things together for good, there have been many uh, moments in my life where I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> like, <laughs> mm-hmm. are you sure God, you're really going to work this together for good? Like you are going to work me losing my mom, my very best friend, how, what good will come of that? Right. Mm. And you know, I find myself parenting and Angry and frustrated because I know my mom would have a great idea for me right now because she was an amazing parent and she read people so well and she was creative and I just I would get so sad sometimes thinking I don't have what it takes to be the parent right now because I'm missing something that I needed that was taken from me mm. and sometimes I would feel like I would just beating my hands against the ground, you know, like nobody is there listening to me, right? Where are you, God? Why why aren't you giving me the wisdom? Didn't you promise to give us wisdom? If anyone needs wisdom, was it James 1, 37? Mm -hmm. Ask Mm -hmm. God for it. He will give it to you, (laughs) right? Well, where is it? You know, I'm still waiting. Yes. It would be in moments like that, Jen, when I would realize I am not beating my arms against the ground. I would have such a realization of God's presence in those crisis moments More than at any time, I would realize I'm beating my hands against the chest of God himself right Mm -hmm. now. The Holy Spirit is with me. He would bring to my memory the creative things my mom would have done. And remind me, she's not gone from you forever. You've you've been trained. You're ready. I'm here with you. Mm -hmm. You've got this. I will help you. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to come to the realization that me plus me is just still more me. Right? <laughs> I'm not enough, but me plus God is more than enough. His math is better than our math. <laughs> <Wow>. Praise <laughs> so, the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He's working. He's working whether or not we feel it or see it or even believe it. He's working. I think somebody needs to hear that right now. Yes.
0: <laughs> we just wish we had all the answers today. Yes. So anyway,
1: I do. I do wish that.
0: All right, Heather, we always like to ask if there's any great resources that you just love and want to recommend to everyone.
1: <gasps> yes. Jen. Yes. Um, (laughs) You mentioned Joni, Johnny, however you say her name. Johnny. Yeah. Her her website is awesome and it's got a million resources on it. But yeah, I mean, it's just don't give up, right? If you're trying to teach your child about Jesus, don't give up. You know, he's still reaching. It's not all on your shoulders. Mm. Um, You know, like the curriculum that got through to Michael um, had a lot of music in it. And our new curriculum that we use at Life Church on the weekends is uh, in the toddler rooms is called the Bible app for kids curriculum. And it's super awesome. You could just watch it online. You know, it's got a lot of music in it and um, a lot of teaching through music, and so that might be something you'd want to work into your kid's schedule. Because I'm, I'm telling you, it just, it was amazing in in our life. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a church, or you work at a church, or you volunteer at a church, and you're looking for, okay, is there any training by chance, yeah, for starting something for children, working with children? We absolutely put together um, a lot of materials for you um, in a Life Kids Buddies training. There's how to talk to parents, phrases to say, phrases not to say, um, sheets that you can use to glean information from parents on supports that might work or not work for their children. You know, strategies for using sensory toys and comfort items and so all great. kinds of stuff is all written out for you. Yes, and um, in the Life Kids Buddies training and it's similar stuff for our switch support training, which would be if you want to support teens, awesome, um, who need extra support. We'll link it
0: all and thank you for your hard work on that because oh, I know yes. that you put a lot of mental effort into that and
1: it's making a huge difference. It's a joy, a huge joy to work on. Huge, huge, huge joy for me. Um, We've got Bible plans. Like, let's say you're a newly uh, a parent of a newly diagnosed child. We put together a Bible plan a couple of years ago with the help of one of my awesome interns, who I miss terribly. Her, called my uh, one Bible plan is called My Child's Different Support for the Ups and Downs. Mm. And um, we also uh, put together a Bible plan called Disability in the Bible: Life Lessons for Us All. That's good. So you know, if you are disabled and you want to see yourself represented in the Bible, well, sh- check out that Bible plan. Oh, you would yeah, love that's it. Good. Or if you want to see your child represented in the Bible. It's awesome we have disability support articles, even that we've written a whole bunch of different ones, like um, raising a Christ follower who happens to have, you know, differences. There's articles on that. Uh, how to see your child's differences through God's eyes, you know, like ways that God has gifted, specifically gifted people with different types of disabilities. Mm-hmm. We, we put an article together on that. And I thought it was really interesting. Right. You know, I, one book rec I, I love and I always do recommend this to parents who have kids who are different is called The Out of Sync Child. Mm-hmm. This book, I feel like I held it under underneath my arm for like three years in a row, (laughs) because this helped me understand sensory differences, uh, what a sensory diet is, sensory processing disorders. And I feel like so many behaviors that we see as challenging behaviors, of course, we know all behavior is communication. And a lot of times what a child is communicating to you is I am uncomfortable right now, Mm -hmm. you know, with their more challenging behaviors. And this book, I feel like has so many tangible strategies for how to work through those um, Moments of Discomfort. But that's great. That's my favorite book. I love it. One of my favorites. Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> well, as we wrap up, you know, I would just love to know as a mom, mm-hmm. as a Christ follower, as a human, mm-hmm. what is something that you wish someone would have just spoken over you or something mm-hmm. that you want to speak over someone listening? Maybe they have a disability. Maybe they have a child with a disability. Uh, just anything you really want them to hear and know and internalize.
1: hmm hmm yes oh jen <laughs> how can i answer that without crying for an hour mm-hmm. um yes oh god is so good right a huge lesson that god has been working in me recently i will encourage someone with this recent encouragement of god in my life then okay he is our shepherd I have read Psalm 23 more in this last year or so than ever before in my life Mm -hmm. because it has been a tremendously difficult year or so in Michael's life. Being an autistic teen um, and during lockdown and um, being unable to socialize in ways that he was just beginning to develop socially, Mm -hmm. struggling with a lot of depression and anxiety, which I share with his blessing, Um, I felt like. I was failing as a parent many times. Michael has felt like he's failing as a human many times. Mm. And God lovingly, 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 and always reminds us that we are His children. I'm God's child. Michael is God's child. When I read the Lord is my shepherd, I can read that for myself and I can read it for Michael. The Lord is Michael's shepherd. If you are out there listening and feeling lost or confused, he is your shepherd. He will make you lie down. He will lead you. He mm-hmm. will guide you. He will restore you. And He is always working, whether or not you see it or feel it. Oh, man. He is working all things together for good. Yes. He is a good father and our good shepherd. Wow. Heather, thank you so
0: much. I just... Love you and appreciate you, and I'm so thankful Thank you for me. your life and your perspective. So, thanks for being here today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I just, I love you too. Thank you for doing this.
0: Well, as always, all kinds of resources are linked in the conversation notes. And, guys, we're having our annual Life Church Sisters event coming up very, very soon. All the details are in those notes as well. Also, do yourself a favor and subscribe to this podcast for free wherever you like to stream, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher. And then when a new episode comes out, it'll come straight to your phone. Plus, we always love to connect with you. You can find us on Instagram at The Messy Table Podcast. And last but definitely not least, Heather, I hope you're still listening because we're going to end your episode in a very special way because you're so good at seeing people the way that Jesus does. We want you to know that we also see you. And your sweet family wanted to tell you themselves.
1: Mom, thanks for always being there for me and being the best mother a guy can have. Hey, Mom, thank you so much. You are literally the best mom. And yes, every kid says that, and that's cliche. And saying that is also cliche, but still, it's just true. I could not have asked for a better mom God really linked me to you so well. You are so kind, and you're so considerate of my feelings, and you've just been the world to me, and thank you so, so much for leading me the best way. I love you, Mom. Heather, our whole family is incredibly blessed to have you as a mother and a wife. A few seconds does not do justice to the person you are, but... Thank you for being someone who speaks for those who are marginalized and those who sometimes can't even speak up for themselves. Thank you for being passionate. You're the most passionate person I know for those that are marginalized, for the underdogs. And I'm in love with you because of that. And I just love where that passion takes you. So keep up the good work. It is an amazing work for the kingdom of God and for our world. I love you.